0: Where are and gentlemen, episode number eighty-two of Let's Go Racing with David Starr, Tyler Jones. We're so glad to have you with us. Today's show is presented by Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter, Kim the primary sponsor this year on David's 08 Ford Mustang, and we want to tell you a little bit more about what they do. Ticket Smarter is a national ticket resale marketplace with tickets to over 125,000 live events, including NASCAR and other forms of motorsports. Fans get tickets to every NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck race throughout the season. For the best deals on tickets, visit TicketSmarter.com to get your tickets today. That's TicketSmarter.com. David Starr out this week. Myself, Dominic Aragon, holding things down. And our guest this week is former NASCAR driver, the one and only front row Joe Nemechek. We will bring in Joe in just a moment. But before we do that, Dom, let's uh, begin with uh, the news of the day, uh, twofold. Uh, Kyle Busch has a new ride for next year. We'll get to that in uh, just a second. But uh, looking at the weekend that was, Bubba Wallace getting a win. And, uh, I mean, his first real full-length win, right? He won at Daytona last year. He won at Talladega last year in a rain-shortened race. This time gets it done from start to finish. And also plays an interesting factor in the owner's points because that 45 team, that he finds himself driving for is and now moving on to the next round. Uh, and so we have two completely different scenarios here in the owner's standings and the driver's standings.
1: And we've seen that situation come in close where maybe a car on owner's points could make the playoffs or the chases it was called over the years, but it never really happened until this year. And that 45 car is the first one to win of any of the playoff drivers. And Kurt Busch won that race in Maine, Kansas in the 45 car. And then Bubba Wallace won the 45 car at Kansas now in September. And Tyler, I believe this is the first time, Jonathan Field of the Racing Experts was the first to report, or one of the first to report. This is the first time in almost 50 years where somebody, you have two drivers that have the same car number and they sweep events at both tracks. Quite phenomenal. And that 45 car is moving on. There's going to be some drivers and I think some owners that, you know, it's not going to match up this year in the Cup Series. We've seen this in Xfinity. We've seen this in truck. And it's actually going to play out in the Cup Series
2: this year.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's fascinating. There's been three different drivers in that 45 car this year. For Bubba Wallace to get that win, though, kind of the monkey off his back of some sorts. He was talking after the race of, you know, that that one was to prove the doubters and the haters wrong. Um, he's been showing speed all season long, Dominic, and they've been getting better, really, the second half of the season. A big win for uh, Bubba Wallace and uh, building some momentum already, I think, in the head start for 2023.
1: And I think Jeff Burton said it best, and those comments really resonated well with me. The first 10, 11 races of the year, it looked like that 23 team, Bubba Wallace, Booty Barker, they were having, I think they had a penalty at maybe it was Coda where the crew chief was out because they had the loose wheel. And it looked like the team was imploding on itself. Coca-Cola 600 rolls around. He showed speed, didn't finish where maybe the speed showed, but consistently getting better and better each week. We're talking about bubble walls picking up stage points, finishing top 10 more often than not over the last couple of months. And it showed. He put a full race together on Sunday. I think to backtrack there too to the Talladega win last year, he did show the speed. He was up front and he just happened to be leading when the race was called short, but you're right, Tyler, this was a full length race, 400 miles, They put it together, and it's not like it came together on a restart with two laps to go. These were long green flag runs that included a green flag pit stop. So we see Bubba Wallace take away the victory in the 45 car. Definitely a well-earned win by that team.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And somehow Christopher Bell is leading the points, and we have a very interesting weekend ahead with the uh, playoff picture. Uh, Dom, there's going to be some good drivers that are going to be sent home here.
1: What alternate universe are we living in? Where Christopher Bell and Alex Bowman are at the top of the playoff grid, they, they will advance based on points, it looks like, from Bristol. Kevin Harvick below the cut line, the closer, who has done well at Bristol, Kyle Bush, who's below the cut line as well. Again, Tyler, what alternate universe is this?
0: Yeah, uh, unbelievable to uh, see that happen. And then Kyle Busch uh, announcing he's going to RCR. Dominic, will break that down more in depth in our uh, news and notes segment. But uh, this one, we kind of saw coming, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks, things started to head this direction, but uh, probably the biggest move, biggest driver change we've seen in the sport, maybe since Dale Jr. joined Hendrick Motorsports. I would say that's comparable. I would say
1: Brad Keselowski leaving Penske certainly ranks up there in the modern era, but you're right. The Dale Jr. moved in 2007, Kyle Busch, making this move in 2022, announcing he's going to Richard Childress Racing. A lot to break down with that, a lot to uncover. But, yeah, definitely, especially in the modern era, Tyler, this has to be one of the biggest free agent moves that we have seen in the NASCAR Cup Series.
0: And for RCR, you lose your star young talent, Tyler Reddick, and you place him with a two-time Cup Series champion here. Um, you know, Tyler Reddick's got a bright future. I, I won't call it an upgrade because I'm not trying to put down Tyler Reddick at all, but for RCR, when it looked like they were down in the dumps losing their star in Tyler Reddick, what a response by Richard Childress to go get Kyle Busch and bring him into their camp.
1: Absolutely. I was explaining this to my grandfather, who really doesn't watch a lot of NASCAR, but he was surprised by the news today when we were talking about it. I told him, Grandpa, it's like when your Denver Broncos picked up Peyton Manning in 2012 and had this illustrious career in Indianapolis and went on to have some good years in Denver. Tyler, I would call that move like this. We have a past champion coming to another organization. He's going to make Richard Childress Racing better. And that long-storied career, that future Hall of Fame career – Stories are still being written. There's still a lot more to go in Kyle Busch's road. But it's a great move, I think, and and he's going to only elevate Richard Childress Racing to the next
0: level. Right. It it would be in football terms like uh, if Lamar Jackson left and you brought in Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's what we're looking at, that type of move here. We'll have more on that later. But Dom, our guest this week, Joe Nemechek, uh, a household name in the NASCAR world, front row Joe, uh, everybody knows Joe, and he's had a, a wonderful career in uh, in NASCAR over the years.
1: Absolutely, he's somebody that we've talked about on the show before. We've talked about bringing him on, and we reached out to him recently. He said, "Yeah, I'll come on." So, he is the 1992 NASCAR Xfinity Series champion. He has run over 650 races in the NASCAR Cup Series. He's run a truck team. He's run an Xfinity Series. He's run his own Cup organization. And he has yet to make a start yet in NASCAR this year, but we'll get to ask him about that as the show goes on. If that might happen later this year, Joe, we appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Let's Go Racing this week.
2: Yes, sir. Good to be on.
1: Yeah, thank you. So we appreciate you having the time to come on and and chat some racing with us and and take us back to the beginning. I'm going to still a question David always likes to ask our guests Where did it start for you? Take us back to Florida 1960s where did that passion come from to get involved in motorsports do you have a dad an uncle somebody that just I guess fueled that fire for you to get started in racing in the first place
2: well I think I think the first when it first started uh 1975 I saw a supercross race on tv and it was a guy named Hurricane Bob Hannah back then was racing and saw these guys jumping these motorcycles and I think I was I don't know 11 years old 12 years old and I said man I'm going to do that so I had to convince my parents to buy me a motorcycle and learned how to ride really quick learned how to work on my motorcycle make it faster and didn't take them long to get me to the racetrack and next thing you know we're winning races and did that for a number of years and then uh started started some road race stuff with one of the guys that worked for our company and the season was ending. So we went to a local junkyard or uh, I should say, we went to a local racetrack, Auburndale Speedway and found the rules for a kind of an entry level class, mini stocks, went to the junkyard the next day, bought a car and we've been racing ever since.
1: So for you at what age or what point did you first realize, maybe I can make a living at this, or I have a shot to take this to the next level and be a professional in this industry?
2: Wow. Uh, I guess that would have to, be, that'd have to be 1989. You know, we had won the uh, USA Championship, Mini Stock Championship. Uh, we were winning the All-Pro Championship. And we were starting to test the waters in the old Bush Series back in 1989, right at the end of the year. And uh, didn't have a lot of success then in those couple races that we started, but uh, uh, knew that's where I wanted to go. That was the the transition period, and uh, we bought some cars and we were racing.
1: And for you, did you ever have like a like a timeline in mind? So you're talking about 1989, getting those first few Bush Series starts, like. By 19-whatever, I want to be in the Cup Series. I want to be competing on Sundays. Was, was there ever that mentality that you had that wanted to be in the Cup Series or at a specific point in NASCAR at a specific time?
2: Not really. Uh, you know, 1990, my first full year, uh, I'm not mistaken, we won Rookie of the Year that year. Uh, 91, we were competitive, very competitive. Had a shot at winning some races. Then 1992 is when it all went together. I think we won uh, three or four races and won the championship that year, and that was uh, that was a cool year. You know, it was when I beat Dale Dale Senior, uh, won my first race at Indy Raceway Park, and then went on the following week to to beat Dale Senior at uh, at New Hampshire, and that kind of put me on the map
1: especially when you can beat a seven time NASCAR Winston cup series champion. People always talk about like their favorite Earnhardt stories, petty stories, if they were able to race against them. I mean, after something like that, I've heard time and time again, that Dale would go up to the competitors that beat him and have a good conversation or just get to talk about that. Did Dale ever get to go up and talk to you or do you have any conversations with him about that race?
2: Oh yeah. Dale and I were good friends. He was very good friends of our family. Uh, you know, back when we were just getting started up here, for some reason he took a liking to me and and uh, helped me out a bunch getting started, and just became good friends. You know, he'd come over and eat at our shop a uh, couple days a week. He loved my mom's cooking, loved all that yeah. stuff. It was it was uh, good times. He was a good man.
1: What was Dale's favorite food that your mom made? We have to ask.
2: Man, I couldn't tell you. I have to ask my mom if she remembers. That was a long time ago.
0: <laughs> so, so Joe, uh, I'm sure people want to know. Let's let's get to it. Where did the name Road Joe come from? What's the origin story with or the nickname?
2: Uh, well, I think that it all got finally cemented when Wally Dahlenbach, uh, who was my teammate, said that on national TV during qualifying when we were at Pocono. Uh, Sterling Marlin, Wally, and myself. I think we're the three guys there and I don't know if it's Sterling went first. Anyways, he was on the pole and then Wally went and he was on the pole and they're like, man, I had no one going to beat your time. And he goes, yes, they will. Old front row Joe's fixing to beat my time. He'll be on the pole. And ever since that day, nickname is stuck.
0: (laughs) That's great. And that's reputation stayed with you. You were, known for starting towards the front a lot throughout uh, your entire career from that point. I believe you had, what, 10 uh, career polls in the Cup Series? Uh, that,
2: I, that I can't answer yet. But, yes, there was, there was quite a few, quite a few front row starts. Uh, I had a lot of good things going on.
1: I remember one of the more recent polls this was 2008 when you were running for furniture Row racing and you put that 78 car on the pole, I believe at the spring Talladega race. And, and I remember yes. talking a lot about that on TV. Hey, front row Joe still got it. He's starting up front.
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, it's back, back, uh, I guess that would have been 97, uh, 97, 98, 99. That would have been, uh, Felix Sabatis racing, uh, over there with the Bell South sponsorship. I mean, that we had some great guys over there. You know, the engine shop was working hard, and, and uh, I think they basically came up with qualifying engines and kind of started a whole new chapter in NASCAR racing because we were changing so many engines every weekend. But uh, the first, first pole was at California Speedway, uh, and that was the first time we ran a qualifying engine, and uh, we sat on the pole and, and it started from there.
0: So, how different was it preparing for qualifying as opposed to preparing for races? Of whether it was running one engine compared to another here, how, how did uh, how did that differ between the two?
2: Well, I think the biggest thing you know we had a we had a practice engine that we'd go out and practice for qualifying and trying to get the car set up to go fast for a couple laps. And as soon as that practice was over, we were sticking a qualifying motor in. And those engines were only made to go, you know, 20 miles or 25 miles. It was not a long time before they blow up. So they were getting every ounce of energy they could out of those engines. And, and uh, by doing that, it gave us an advantage over all the other competitors. So next thing you know, all the competitors were having to do that, too, to keep up. So.
0: Well, and that was a different time too, because uh, you know nowadays NASCAR is cutting back so much of trying to reduce cost and uh, you know trying to you know downsize a bit on on those things. And you also had guys like, if I remember right, Tony Stewart didn't like to you know switch out engines and such. You know he was about having a race trim, and maybe sometimes he suffered, didn't necessarily have the best starting position. It was a it was a different era in that time, wasn't it, of uh, how you guys prepared for qualifying compared to now?
2: Oh, a whole different, whole different era. I mean, we had so many practices a weekend. I mean, you show up, you get first practice, uh, then you go qualify, then you'd have two or three practices the next day, or you'd have one practice and then be a second round qualifying, and then you'd have one or two more practices in the afternoon getting ready for uh the race stuff but i mean this stuff spread over four days there was just so many miles that were run back then lots of practice so today there's hardly any practice you know it's basically you get a few laps on the racetrack go qualify and that was a big difference back then
0: well and then you know during the you know heart of the pandemic uh there was no practice in qualifying at all uh, what say you, Joe, as a competitor, do you, do you like it with the old days of when you had a lot of time on track for practice and qualifying or did, or do you like it better now of, of seeing what they're doing of, of less time out there? What, what would, if you were in charge, what would, would you prefer? Wow.
2: Well, that's, that's kind of a tough, uh, tough scenario. You know, the, the fans pay a lot of money to come to the racetrack to see race cars run. And I I remember Bill France saying that, uh, you know, they're there to have cars on the racetrack because we went through that for a period of, of time with the, when the COT cars came in of coming in and having practice one day, coming in the next day and doing nothing but qualifying and then coming in the following day, either doing nothing and then coming in the following day and racing. And uh, I think that's during the time when Bill France was sick and, when he came back, he was like, this is crazy. We need to get cars on the track. So it, it, it's just part of the rules. Whatever the rules are, you got to figure them out and figure out how to, how, to, how to accomplish what you're trying to do. You know, it's just hard for new people coming in, not getting a lot of track time. So I think that's where the, the downfall comes. But uh, it is what it is. You got to figure it out and go from there.
1: Well, talking about the rules and kind of maybe backtracking a little bit, and Tyler brought up a great point. Rules have changed over time in the sport, and, and you can certainly educate me on this and our listeners. So you were talking about qualifying engines and swapping those out. So was that at a time then where you weren't sent to the back of the field for swapping an, an engine? NASCAR welcomed that, or maybe that was a time where you were allowed an engine swap. What were the rules like then in the 90s to be able to do something like that? There basically
2: wasn't any rules on, on that Uh you know, whatever motor you qualified with, they, after qualifying, if you were on the pole, you'd have to take that engine over to NASCAR. And at the end of the weekend, they would tear it down. Same thing with the race winning engine. So the practice engines, they didn't care. It's, you know, when that weekend was over, they were tearing those engines down to make sure they were legal. And I mean, we would, we would change four or five engines a weekend and you know, people look at that now, especially all the new guys were training and say, how in the world do you do that? I mean, we had it down to 45 to 50 minutes, engine be changed and running and back out on the racetrack. So it's a matter of having the right people and and all the right procedures set up.
1: Well, speaking of having the right people, I mean, over time, and you, you always hear about drivers and competing in NASCAR, but not a lot of times you see the drivers venture off into entrepreneurship, and you certainly did that. Being an owner and a driver, you got to do that through the 90s and through the 2000s and 2010s. How much did you see from an owner-driver standpoint from the 90s to the 2000s to the 2010s? How much the sport had evolved and changed over time? And, and do you feel like your job in both of those roles became easier or harder?
2: Well, it definitely changed. And, you know, the, the biggest thing in, in racing is the cost. From the owner's standpoint, the costs just keep escalating. And no matter what they try to do to save money, it seems like everything keeps costing more. And that's typical in racing. Uh, the faster you want to go, the more you're going to spend. And that's, that's, that's still what it is today. Uh, you know, it gets back to now having the right people around you, which it's always been that way. Because everybody, especially in the Cup Series, everybody has access to all the same parts. So now, how do you put it all together? And it gets back to people, engineers, uh, technology, trying to figure out how to make this stuff go.
0: That's fascinating. Joe Nemechek joining us this week here on uh, Let's Go Racing. Uh, Joe, you won 20 races in uh, NASCAR's top two series, four in Cup, 16 Xfinity. When you look back on on your career and all the things you accomplished, what, what are you the most proud of?
2: Wow, I'm, I mean, there's so many winning winning the uh, the Bush Championship in '92. Uh, there there's so many races that we won. You know, one of the one of the special ones is win, winning, uh, giving the Army their first win in the Army car in Kansas in 2004, and they had a lot of soldiers at the racetrack that day and. We got our picture with every one of them in Victory Lane, so that was that was really cool. But it was special. Uh, that Army sponsorship was was really uh, really special. Still know a lot of those guys that I met back then. My mom still talks to a lot of those uh, soldiers and in uh, generals from that era. And uh, you know, there again, there's just so many. I look back at. Uh, the first Bush race I won the first race I won at New Hampshire. I mean, there's there's so many that, uh, that stand out. It's hard to pick one.
1: Yeah. I, mean, I think I'll, another thing to mention, too, I mean, starting a, a team and, and doing that in the Cup Series. I mean, that's a pretty incredible feat, too. I mean, for a driver to, to go back and venture back into ownership, especially that second stint. I don't think you get a, enough credit than what you deserve on that because that was a time where – the recession was hitting the country and the world. And here you are starting a cup team in 2009. I mean, I think that was a pretty incredible feat itself.
2: Yeah, it was uh, It was definitely tough. I can tell you that. I remember, you know, people complain about interest rates now. I mean, back then it was 14 <laughs> or 17%. And uh, it's nothing right now. I mean, that was some tough, tough, tough things to deal with back then. Absolutely.
1: What would you say in that second stint was maybe the, the most rewarding part? Of being a cup owner during that time in the early 2010s. Uh,
2: again, that was that was kind of a different. Uh, in the 2010s, it was it was just a, a different era for what we had going on. Uh, finding sponsorship was the hardest thing. Finding money to go out there and be competitive, and we put you know we started up a cup team then, and and we had a lot of success. I mean, we were qualifying well. Uh, some of the races that we did race were, we ran pretty damn fast. And, uh, and again, it just gets back to the people that I had around me. Uh, old Philippe Lopez and uh, uh, Derek. I mean, there, there was a lot of good people that we put around us. And we figured some things out and man, we made some cars go fast.
0: And, and I
1: have to give a shout out to your sister, Marty. I believe she was the one working the phones there at Nemco over the years too, if I remember
2: correctly. That's correct, yeah. She's retired now and uh, uh, living down in Florida. That's
0: awesome. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Uh, speaking of the, the, the family business, I uh, want to ask you, Joe, about your, your late brother, John, raced in the uh, truck series, passed away in a uh, crash in a 1997 at Homestead. Uh, for people that didn't know your brother what kind of racer was he and what was it like competing against uh, John over the years
2: uh, he was he was a lot of fun I can tell you that uh, he liked to have fun but he was competitive uh, if you ever got him you ever pissed him off he yeah he would get even somehow or another he's uh, uh, I, I guess you put it back then he was a pretty big guy. So he he loved to get in fights all the time. So uh, he took care of himself, watched out for me. Uh, you know, one of, one of my best friends, and that was that was some tough times then. But uh, he he loved to race cars. Uh, you know, we miss him miss him a lot. Uh, that's where my son's name kind of came from when after he passed right before uh, John Hunter was born and. Uh, kind of carrying on that uh, that legacy there.
0: So tell me this: be honest with me. Uh, who was the better racer between you two? I, I, I hear you say he was competitive and everything. Uh, who, who who had the edge between you two? I, I'm I'm sure things got pretty competitive at times.
2: As far as my brother
0: John. Yeah, but as far uh, as your brother John or you, yeah. Oh, uh, I I would
2: have to say I was the one that that you know moved up quickly, and then he started later. Uh, he didn't, he didn't get a lot of the opportunities that I got. Uh, he was still learning when all this tragedy took place.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, you mentioned your, uh, your son, John Hunter Nemechek, uh, running uh, in the uh, truck series for Kyle Busch Motorsports right now. And we've seen him run some comp and Xfinity. Uh, tell us about John Hunter. He's, he's had some success already in his young career.
2: Yes, he's definitely had a lot of success. Uh, uh you know building on all the things that i learned through my career when he started uh, just tried to teach him all the things that are important and we built him a lot of, of very good race cars when he was running late models uh allison legacy cars uh then getting him into the truck series uh he was able to win i don't know six truck races with our own family owned team we should have won a lot more than that but uh I made some dumb calls along the way, and, and uh, we had some crazy things happen, but uh, we were very, very competitive, and that's what he was all about. Uh, he wants to win, and he had an opportunity to move up, and so that's what he did, and he, his career has taken off.
0: What's, uh, what's more rewarding for you, uh, getting in victory lane or seeing your son get in victory lane?
2: Uh, well, back then it was me getting in victory lane. <laughs> now, not doing it a lot anymore. It's all seeing, you know, seeing him have success, and uh, you know he he's he's doing great. I mean, he's he's growing up. He's a young man. He's married. He's got a little uh, baby girl, a year and a half old. Uh, he's got a lot of things going on in his life. He's had to grow up really quick. And, uh, I'm proud of him for everything he's accomplished. Uh, he's going to go places. Definitely.
1: Absolutely. And you guys had the opportunity to potentially race against each other in the Xfinity series. You guys have done that in cup 2019, a few races this year in Daytona, not so much because of the rain situation. What's the chance we get to see you guys back on the track together in any kind of NASCAR race?
2: Well, I, I hope that's all going to happen this year. You know, we have to make that race up from, uh, from Daytona, which uh, hopefully we're going to Talladega here in a few weeks to, to, to make that race up. Uh, I'm not sure what his schedule is and what cars for Sam Hunt or what what's going on yet. So uh, trying to get all that taken care of right now.
1: Well, and beyond that, Joe, you've had such a, an illustrious career in NASCAR over 30 years in the sport. If you could have it your way and you get to make the plans and call the shot, how much longer would you like to race? And, and for you, what would be an ideal you know, part-time, full-time schedule, is there something in the cars that would bring you back to run more races?
2: No, I think, I think for me, it's, uh, you know, if I run a couple races a year, I'm good. Uh, We have a lot of other business opportunities going on right now with in racing, Uh, uh, SCCA, Trans Am, TA2, uh, vintage stock car stuff. We have a lot of things going on. So, I'm at the racetrack uh, two or three times a month with those cars, uh, testing cars for people, uh, coaching people. i got a lot of stuff going on right now. Sounds like you're staying so, pretty busy. Uh,
0: one more question for you before we uh, move on here. The, the era of racing that, that you were a part of, uh, of what you've seen over the last few years, I mean, you raced against, you know, Dale Sr., Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, Tony Stewart. Kyle Bush. I mean, just all sorts of heavy hitters. Who was the toughest competitor that you ever raced against over your career?
2: That, that's, again, that's a tough question to answer. You know, back when I was starting, Dale Sr. was definitely the hardest guy to race against. Uh, you know, that changed over time. Uh, you know, you look back at tough guys to race against. Jimmy Spencer was one of the toughest ones. I mean, if you just made him mad in any, any single little way, you know, he was going to turn you around. Uh, Dale Sr. was tough. Jeff Gordon was tough. Uh, There's a lot of tough competitors back then. But, again, as long as you show them respect and you raced hard on the racetrack, they would show you respect. Because, you know, as Jimmy Spencer said, you never forget. None of us race car drivers ever forget things that happen.
0: I love it. That's fantastic. Uh, Joe Nemechek is going to stick around with us. We'll get to our news and notes segment in just one moment. But before we do, today's show is presented by Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter is the official ticket resale marketplace of Worldwide Technology Raceway, where David won in 2004. Fans can also get tickets to any type of event, including sports, concerts, and theater productions. Ticket Smarter is committed to helping those in need by donating $1 from every transaction to various charity organizations. Head over to TicketSmarter.com to find tickets for upcoming events. That's TicketSmarter.com. All right, uh, time for our news and notes segments. Dom, uh, let's start with that uh, Kyle Bush news that uh, we mentioned off the top of the show of him uh, going to RCR. Give us the rundown of the details. Uh, sounds like there's going to be a third charter involved for RCR. Also, Kyle Bush, the truck team's going to Chevy, possibly him running the Indy 500. There's a whole lot more to him just going to the eight car here. There was a lot that had to occur to make this move work.
1: There was a lot to unpack. And I think we can say maybe it was one of the worst kept secrets over the last several days. On Tuesday, September 13th. Kyle Busch and Richard Childress held a press conference at the NASCAR Hall of Fame in Charlotte, North Carolina, to formally announce that Kyle Busch will be the driver of the number eight car come 2023 in the Cup Series. Reporters asked a variety of questions. Those two made themselves available to the media and tried to answer as many questions as they could, and we know he's going to drive the eight car. Tyler Reddick, per Richard Childress, is still under contract. There's going to be three charters involved. At this time, we don't know where that third charter will come from just yet. But it looks like Kyle Bush, he is making some sort of a return home, right? He ran Chevrolet originally in the Cup Series with Hendrick Motorsports. And when he made that jump, Tyler, to Kyle or to, to Joe Gibbs Racing in 2008, Richard Childress Racing was one of the teams that he did speak with before he ultimately landed with the 18 team. And, and Kyle, in that presser today, said, because he was asked, look, what about running the eight car? What does that mean to you? Well, I got to run the flagship car, the 18 car with Joe Gibbs racing, getting to run with Richard Childress. I'll run the car numbers that the owners provide to me. So he's looking to build on that legacy, 60 wins, two championships, 18 straight years of winning at least one race. The list can go on and on, but certainly a lot of questions answered this week after that Tuesday press conference.
0: Yeah. uh, I think this is a bigger deal for RCR than it is for Kyle Busch and, Although, you know, we've heard some things about, you know, hey, not great necessarily that the driver with the most wins and the most championships is probably taking a pay cut of sorts. I understand where there might be some financial concerns with that. But the reality is, the truth of the matter, Dominic, I look at it this way, that it it spreads out the talent, right? Joe Gibbs is still going to be competitive. RCR is going to be elevated with Kyle Busch there. And I mean, everyone just improves and Ty Gibbs gets to move up and Cobb. I think for the betterment of the sport, this is a good thing. I'm excited about this. And I think Kyle Busch is going to be widely successful. Joe, what say you, what's your reaction to uh, Joe Gibbs making this move to RCR?
2: Well, it's very interesting. You know, Kyle, Kyle is a, he's a racer and he races hard and in no matter what he's in, uh, If he's around a race car, he's going to be working on it, trying to make it go faster, whatever it may be. So this is a good opportunity for him. Uh, You know, it it just, you know, it sucks that they didn't get the money they needed at Joe Gibbs to keep him there. But in a sense, it's kind of a, uh, a reset point for him. So he gets to start over and take all that knowledge that he's learned and try and, and help Richard Childress get their cars faster. So uh, he'll have success. Uh, I, I know Kyle really good. I know John Hunter knows him very well, and and Kyle is a fierce competitor. And especially if he's pissed, he's going to drive the wheels off that thing. <laughs>
1: Well, and, and Tyler, I think it was Dave Wilson of Toyota Racing Development had said, I think at Talladega in May, made the comments to the media, we don't want to be racing against a pissed off Kyle Busch. How pissed off is Kyle going to be with a vengeance next year?
0: I, I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder, something to prove. Um, what what I do wonder, you know, he, he is on the back end of his career now, you know, the, uh, the latter half. And we've seen guys when they move teams later in their careers where the success might drop off a bit. What I wonder is if he can still be at the competitive level that it was at at Gibbs, if he can run at a championship level. I think about Tony Stewart when he had that great run at at, uh, Stewart Hall's racing where he brought on that championship race determined and and a one in the 14 car, he got it done. I still think, Dom, what say you? I I think that Kyle Bush is still capable of running at a championship level and, and bringing a championship to RCR here. But, they RCR, they're going to have to continue to, to run like they are now. It, won't, it can't be like what we saw the stretch of from Kevin Harvick left till up until now when Tyler Reddick started winning races.
1: Absolutely. And I think Kyle touched on that, too, on that press conference Tuesday. He did say he wanted to join an organization that he felt like he could win immediately, and they had proven that this year by getting both of their playoffs their, – both of their drivers, rather, inside the playoffs. And I have to ask you, Joe – it was rumored that Kyle had talked to up to eight teams. Were you shocked or surprised that he ultimately ended up at RCR?
2: Um, not really. You know, you start looking through the teams of where he, where he could have went. You know, I think originally everybody thought he was going to end up at, at uh, Stuart Haas or, uh, or yeah, Kyle Stuart Haas Racing because they had an open seat. And, I mean, you start looking around where else could he go in, in uh, you know, the RCR banquet or or uh, uh, colleague racing was another opportunity. You know, I think that's all tied together up there. But, you know, it's kind of limited on where he could go and do this because he wants to be a competitive car. So he's not going out there to, to run in the back. I mean, he's got to have an opportunity to be competitive and uh, or else he won't be doing it. I
1: agree. And I think, Tyler, Joe, I think when we're looking back on 2023, Kyle Busch is going to break that NASCAR Cup Series record of winning at least one race a year. He's tied with Richard Petty at 18 straight seasons. I think he gets that done with Richard Childress
0: Racing next year. Absolutely. I think so, too. I think he'll get a win next year and and uh, he'll can be competing for that championship and we'll see him uh, running up front and uh, I'm excited. And, and and Dom, you know, the, the Kyle Bush story has been a fascinating one. Um, you go back to, you know, when he joined Gibbs, you know, that was, uh, you know, with the, what was it, the second year of the COT car and new manufacturing Toyota. And he adapted so quickly and he's been able to just win in anything. Uh, this next chapter, I think, is going to be fascinating to see what he does, uh, switching to she- back to Chevy and that RCR camp. They're going to be winning, but the other stuff, he talked about kind of he's going to have the freedom to do other things. He wants to run the Indy 500 for a Chevy team. He's talked about running uh, some other series outside of NASCAR. Joe, uh, we might see a new Kyle Busch of some sorts, kind of be freed up, do some things he wasn't allowed to do. Maybe at Joe Gibbs race. Yeah, that that's
2: definitely going to be interesting. Uh, uh, you know, Kurt, Kurt went off and ran the Indy 500, so he's got he's got to top his brother somehow. You know, that that's all coming around.
0: Uh, real quick, guys, uh, on this note, too, the future of Joe Gibbs racing. Uh, Ty Gibbs, have to imagine, slides into the 18 car, Dom. Um, but Martin Truex, we don't know how much longer he's going to be around. Denny Hamlin, same could be said there. We don't know how much longer he's going to race either. Um, and you lose KBM to Chevy now. What about the future of Joe Gibbs Racing beyond just the Ty Gibbs element? I think there's a whole lot that they lose out of not having uh, Kyle Busch in, there in in the camp for JGR and Toyota here.
1: You're absolutely right. TRD had a great feeder thing there with the Truck Series team and Kyle Busch picking out talent to, to feed up to the Xfinity Series <laughs> and so the Cup Series. It's going to be interesting to see how that all folds out now. And, and if I remember correctly from that press conference Tuesday, Kyle Bush did say that they're still trying to figure out how it's all going to work with the truck series deal. So it remains to be seen. Joe, maybe we see your son in one of those Gibbs cars someday in the Cup Series.
2: Yeah, who knows? Uh, you know, this is a silly season right now and have no idea what's going to happen with, with John Hunter, but uh, he'll end up somewhere good.
1: What else we got going on, Dom? So that's it as far as our headlines for this week. And we're on to Bristol for the NASCAR cutoff race. Four drivers are going to get chopped. Kyle Busch, the man of the news this week, he is on the chopping block. He enters Bristol below the cut line. Same as Kevin Harvick, a four-time winner out at Bristol. So, I mean, and Kyle Busch, eight-time winner. We, we have guys that have proven time and time again that Bristol is their proving grounds. And, and Tyler, I would say – Kyle Busch is like our generation's Daryl Waltrip when it comes to Bristol. Daryl won there 12 times. Kyle's won there eight times in 32 starts. One out of every four races he wins. So I find it hard to, to fathom that Kyle Busch is below the cut line. But if there's a place to get it done, it might be Bristol.
0: Well, and uh, you know Kevin Harvick, before the playoff, was in a you know must-win scenario, and he pulled it off and got into the playoff. And we know how well Kyle Busch does in the pressure, too. I'm thinking, Dom, it's going to be either Harvick or Kyle Busch, one of these drivers that's in a must-win situation to advance that pulls it off. I lean towards uh, Kevin Harvick here. I think Kevin Harvick gets it done and uh, wins at Bristol. Uh, Joe, what what say you? What do, what do you think of uh, this weekend's race at Bristol and uh, the uh, the playoff picture uh, and everything with it?
2: I think it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a great uh, great race to be there and watch, or watch on TV, or listen. On MRM, it's, uh, these guys, as much as they've been beating on each other at these racetracks, now we're going to a short track where there's a lot of beating and banging. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, I think you're going to probably see record caution, cautions. Uh, I think there's, there's a lot of uh, paybacks that people are going to be getting back at each other and if you made someone mad, this is a place where it's easy to get even. So I think, I think you're going to see a lot of that. Uh, I'm not sure who to pick out of that whole deal. You know, it's, I think there's more than just Kyle and Kevin. You know, I think Tyler Reddick's going to run well there. He normally runs very, very well. Uh, Martin Truex runs good. I mean, there's a number of guys that run good. Uh, Joey Logano runs great there. Um, uh, it's going to be very interesting to watch. And uh, being back on that short track, it'll be full of fireworks.
0: Yeah, a uh, short track Saturday night, hard to beat that. Uh, Dom, what do you think is going to happen on uh, Saturday night when it comes to who wins and how the playoff picture shakes out?
1: Man, it's going to be a great race. I think Joe's absolutely right. There's going to be some fireworks. We're going to see some hurt feelings like we did last year with Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick. I'm very curious to see how this all plays out after stages one and two, where you get awarded points for finishing inside the top 10. How's that all going to stack up? How does that shift the playoff picture? And I I feel like whoever misses out on the playoff cut line, you're going to probably have one or two guys within five points of missing that next cut line. It's going to be close. What do you think, Ty?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think it's going to come right down to the wire. And, you know, I, I thought, Dom, that, going into this playoffs that we knew who the contenders versus the pretenders were, but after two races, the way that Chase Elliott went from that big points lead to falling as far as he did and just everything that shook up here. I, I, I would not be shocked if we get to the final four and it's just four random names, basically, you know, just drawn out of a hat here. I mean, we are off to a wild start after these uh, first two weeks.
1: Absolutely. And and I think Bristol's is going to be on that too. 18 winners in 28 races. I can't believe it's been a great season. Definitely one of parody and I think Bristol's just going to add to that storyline.
0: Okay. Time for our Ask David segment with uh, Joe Namacek. We will get to that in just one second. But before we do, let's go racing. It's presented by Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter, Kim Boards the primary sponsor this year. On do- David's 08 Ford Mustang, we want to tell you a little bit more about what they do. Ticket Smarter is a national ticket resale marketplace with tickets to over 125,000 live events, including NASCAR and other forms of motorsports. Fancy good get tickets to every NASCAR, Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World truck race throughout the season. For the best deals on tickets, visit ticketsmarter.com to get your tickets today. That's Ticket Smarter. Dot com. A couple questions in the inbox to get to this week for front row Joe Davichick and the way that you can get your questions in, in the future uh, on the show is to submit them on Twitter at star podcast, facebook.com slash star podcast. And by email David star podcast at gmail.com. Joe, uh, first question from the inbox comes from Dan. Dan wants to know, Joe, what are typical conversations drivers have with each other and driver intros
2: well most of the time it's not about racing you know we're talking about stuff that's going on uh outside the racetrack things that they're doing uh some people play a lot of golf they're talking about their golf games and uh where they're going to ride motorbikes or motorcycles and sand dunes uh there's there's they talk about everything, but basically race.
1: That's awesome. I have to follow up on that, too. Like, when you guys do the truck rides around the track and just you and another driver, are those conversations like that as well, or are those a completely different, different monster there, too?
2: Well, it depends who you're riding with. You know, some of those, uh, especially if you get in a truck with somebody that you had a problem with the week before, <laughs> you're telling them, fun. hey, you're a you're a dumbass for doing what you did last week and get ready for what's coming to you. You know, it's uh hey, those conversations happen. You know, it's it's uh it's all fair game. So uh pretty fun. I
1: I heard one of the coolest conversations that came out of a truck ride recently was 2015, Justin Allgaier, Dale Earnhardt Jr. riding in a truck together at Darlington. And Junior asks him, hey, what are your racing plans next year? And he goes, I don't have any. And then that ultimately struck up the deal for Justin to go run the seven car in 2016 and a ride he still has to this day.
0: Yeah. uh, So Joe, tell me this. uh, Is there any conversations that come to mind? uh, You mind sharing with us uh, that, that, that you had of those moments you referenced there?
2: Uh, I, I'm trying to remember who it was. Uh, uh, if it was Michelle Paluto, one of them wrecked me at Phoenix and then I ended up having the ride with him. I can't remember if it was the next race was Bristol or Homestead or somewhere when he was running full-time in the Xfinity deal. And uh, yeah, I asked, I, I asked him quite a few questions about what his problem was and, how he learned how to drive and where he learned how to drive. So uh, he didn't have a lot of responses, I can tell you that.
1: That is too funny. I have to ask you, have you ever had any truck rides with the the namesake of the show, David Starr?
2: Actually, I think I have. I couldn't tell you what the conversations were about, but uh, I think I've definitely rode a few times with David.
0: I would bet David brought up the Olive Garden or Waterburger or something like that. Or the Team uh, Texas
2: High Performance Racing School. Right.
0: Yeah, and it's, you know, uh, just his high performance
2: racing school there. You know, we've done stuff back when I was driving for the Army. Uh, when the soldiers would come back from overseas, they come back into Fort Hood, and we'd come down and give rides there at Texas Motor Speedway to all the soldiers that were coming back. One of the coolest things I've ever done in uh, – had a good time, met a lot of good people, and I know David was a big part of all that stuff. So, uh, just good stuff.
0: That's awesome, that's, uh, that's really cool. Uh, I'm glad to see that uh, that worked out the way that it did. Another question uh, in the inbox comes from Davis. Uh, question for all three of us. Um, Davis wants to know, heads up, this is a little controversial. Is it un-American to take grease out of pizza or degrease hamburgers? What do you think, (laughs) Joe? Well,
2: I would have to say, yes, it's un-American. The grease is what makes it all go.
1: So you're telling me you've never put like a napkin on top of a pepperoni pizza to sop up some of that excess grease and excess calories?
2: Oh yeah, I thought he was talking about how you you cook that stuff. You want to take grease totally out of a pizza? Heck no, it won't taste the same. (laughs) But yes, if there's too much, you got to get rid of it.
1: You, Tyler, you ever do that? Take like napkins and, and squeeze like a hamburger patty, get some of that grease out, or do that with pepperonis on a pizza.
0: Well, I do it just because I don't want it dripping. You know, I mean, like, I don't want to make a mess. I mean, for me, it's not necessarily about cutting down on the calories or trying to be healthier. It's just, uh, I don't want to get it, have grease all over me all day. You know, that's, uh, just to you know try to be a little sanitary or something for me it's not about the, the health factor it's about just uh, just try not to be messy Dom
1: okay I, well I guess maybe I'm a little un American I've done both of them I've definitely put some napkins maybe a little too much on pizza or I've gone and got a big juicy greasy burger and that grease is just dripping down so you get a napkin and you sop a little bit of it out but
0: I don't
2: know It's
0: sounds um, good all right uh, one more question in the inbox for you Joe before we go uh, this one's from Misty. Favorite David Starr story.
2: Favorite David Starr story. Uh, man, I'm, I'm trying to think. You know, it, it's funny because it's a small world. Uh, a lot of the, the friends that we've made in racing from meeting people at the garage, and next thing you know, they're, they're doing small sponsorships with me through a different company uh david and i have a lot of those same friends you know through the sonic folks uh, mcdonald's folks uh a lot of different a lot of different people that we've met and still continue to be friends with over the years but uh, uh david david's a good guy man he's tried he's tried hard in nascar to have a lot of success and it's a tough tough thing to do and uh uh, it takes a lot of dollars to get out there and and make all this stuff go around and uh, I applaud David for uh, working so hard to continue to 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 be there and keep trying to have success. It's tough, I can tell you that.
0: Yeah well, we, we certainly uh, can attest to that uh, for sure. Joe, it's been such a pleasure having you on with us here on the show this week. Uh, what are you up to uh, these uh, these next few days here? What's uh, what's going on in your world? Oh wow, we
2: got I got a lot of things going on. You know, we're trying to get some cars prepped. Uh, we have the SECA Nationals coming up for road racing, and uh, one of my customers is is we're taking his cars up there. And then we have the week after, uh, well, that same weekend is going to be Talladega. The following weekend we go back to. Uh, Virginia International Raceway for a vintage stock car race. And we'll have some customers up there. We're taking care of their car. And plus, uh, I have some of my own cars that we're running up there. Uh, just having a lot of fun building some cool cars and uh, still have an opportunity to go fast. So uh, we, we stay very, very busy. Uh, this weekend, I get to go see my daughter at uh, college for parents weekend. Okay. So
0: it'll be a lot of fun, too. Where's your daughter go to college? Uh, Tennessee. Okay, so she's a Vol. Okay. Yes, sir. Very nice. Uh, Knoxville, uh, our friend uh, of the show, Jerry Punch, is up there. So. Yes, sir. Uh, very cool. Absolutely. Dom, uh, what's going on with
1: you? Yeah, I'll be staying here in New Mexico this weekend. Going to be enjoying the, the sunshine while we got it and be covering the race weekend remotely. We're going to have – Donald Pop Pickett, one of our photographers out there at the Bristol race for us. And I look forward to getting back to the track here in a few weeks at Texas and Talladega. It's going to be a lot of fun to do that with you, Tyler.
0: Yeah, I look forward to seeing you here. Uh, That's what, next week? Uh, I know, that's already coming up, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun uh, there at Texas Motor Speedway. And uh, uh, David will be out there, and we'll have a great show uh, next week. Looking forward uh, to that for sure. I'll uh, be holding things down here in Dallas uh, this weekend. and. just to count down the days for the race uh, next week, but uh, Joe, where can uh, people connect with you and, and uh, follow all the uh, stuff you're up to?
2: Uh, JoeNemechek. dot uh, com. Uh, our Facebook stuff is up. Twitter accounts up. My daughter handles most of that stuff for me, but uh, uh, we're constantly posting stuff. Uh, have a new racing. Thing going on, uh, Check Motorsports and Engineering. That's our kind of our all-new vintage stuff that we're building, and uh, she's posting stuff all the time.
0: That's really cool. That's great. Uh, guys, we're going to put the checkered flag out on uh, this episode of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. David will be back with us next week. As always, you can subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every Wednesday, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, leave us a five star review or don't leave us one at all. Hit the like button so you never uh, miss a moment uh, of the show as well. And uh, you can follow us on social media Facebook.com slash Star Podcast, Twitter at Star Podcast, and email David Star Podcast at email.com. For Dominic Armaghan and Joe Nemacek, I'm Tom with Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of Let's Go Racing. We'll see you next week.